start in Luke chapter 21, and uh, I'm just going to share a few thoughts with you tonight. And uh, I know that I have taught along this line before, but yet I felt prompted again to come back to it. And uh, so I'm going to touch on a few things. And so, um, you know, for whatever reason, the Lord just prompted me to come back here. And so, you know, over the last couple of Wednesday nights, um, I guess the last three or whatever it had been, uh, you know, I've been sharing about rest and really, uh, really not just natural rest, but really uh, getting away and connecting with the Lord. And really, this kind of dovetails in with that um, because, and I'll share a little bit more about that. But uh, here in Luke chapter 21, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. This is Jesus speaking to a crowd of people, and he says, uh, and, and I know this may seem strange to pick up here, but you'll understand in a moment. But he's talking about the last days. He's talking about the end times. And he says, there will be strange signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides. It says, people will be terrified by what they see coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. It says in verse 27, Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. It says, So when all these things have begun to happen, stand up and look, for your salvation is near. You know, and and we've seen, and, and obviously, you know, you can... Just turn on the TV and watch the news for a few minutes or get online and read articles. And we can tell that, you know, I think the word that really stands out to me is it talks about that um, that there would be perplexity. In other words, things just don't make sense. You ever thought that when you look at the news, you're like, these things just don't, don't seem to match up. And it seems like there's all this chaos and surely we're smart enough to have figured out how to fix some stuff. And yet it seems like the more we try to fix stuff, the more it just gets crazy. Have you noticed that? You know, that's by design. It's not just because people aren't smart enough. I mean, it's, I mean, Jesus predicted it would be like this. You know, I remember a number of years ago, one of the things that, uh, you know, many of you know Pastor Sam Carr, who's my pastor and where I grew up uh, from. And, you know, the Lord uses him to uh, make, it's really the first year he always has predictions. He calls it, I predict. It was actually from one of his mentors, but when his mentor passed, it just kind of fell to him, and the Lord began to show him some things. But one of the things that he said a few years ago, probably two or three years ago, because he always gives him things about the world and things for the church, and one of the things that he mentioned uh, that really has just, I keep coming back to, is he said that uh, there would be very simple solutions to complex problems, talking about society, the world, that would be ignored. Simple solutions to really complex things, but it'd be like, oh, well, it can't be that simple. Well, there's a lot of things in our nation that are like that today. It's not difficult, but yet the simple solutions seem to be ignored. And it's, you know, and even for, as an outsider looking in many times, um, you know, there is a lot of perplexity going on. It just doesn't seem like things are adding up in a lot of ways. And, and what I want you to see here, and really the purpose that I'm reading this, is verse 26 is, where it says that uh, people will be terrified at what they see coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. You know, other translations of this same verse say that men's hearts will fail them for fear. Literally, people would die out of fear. That's actually what that verse means. They would have heart, they would be so overwhelmed with just grief or worry or fear that it would literally cost them their life. You know, and we live even in a day, and I don't necessarily, I mean, I know this doesn't, isn't like the most uplifting thing. I don't look for it to get a whole lot better in the world. Now, it doesn't have to be like that in our life, and it doesn't have to be like that in the church. But the world is crazy. And it ain't going to get better. I mean, you think about it. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, then how does the Antichrist come into power? Because he brings peace to chaos. So even when we're talking about end times, the world has to go nuts for the Antichrist to rise. I mean, it's, I mean, the Bible clearly shows us this. And so, you know, I mean, even, I mean, even in our nation, uh, you know, if we had somebody, which I mean, the Antichrist is not coming to power here in this nation. The Bible's pretty clear about where all that will take place. But if somebody showed up on the scene today who had solutions and could fix a lot of our problems really quick... They would rise to power very fast. Why? Because people want somebody to have an answer. And the problem is people are looking to people when they're supposed to be looking to God. And that's the problem is that many people put their trust in people. Um, You know, I I remember 
back in 2008 when the stock market crashed and our economy went nuts, there were lots of reports of people who were committing suicide on that day. Uh, you know, shooting themselves in their office or whatever it may have been. Why? Because that was their world. That's where their trust was. They were in the financial industry and their whole world collapsed in a day. And, uh, you know, and if we're not careful, we can put all of these, all of these natural things and put our faith and our trust in those things. And yet the enemy uses a great tactic against us, which is very simply and exactly what this verse talks to. It says that men's heart would fail them for fear. You know, fear is just, it really is just, it, there's no substance to it. It's a thought. It's a spirit. There's a spirit that is behind fear. You know, we use the word terrorism. Well, what is that? It uses fear as a weapon. And it's one of the most effective weapons. It's mental you know, I mean, here, I don't know whatever it was, a month or so ago, two months ago, you know, that we had, there was this bombing in, the, uh, in England right at the end of a, um, oh, thank you, right at the end of a concert. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, that made everybody nervous to go back out in public the next day. It's like, well, you don't want to go there, you don't want to be around there, and, you know, and it, and it affects the way that you live, and yet... We may not see that as much here in America, but yet fear is still active and working in our culture all the time. And we all have to deal with this, and the enemy would love to get us to live in a place of fear. Why? Because then that will affect every decision that we make. It will affect your experience in your day-to-day life. Because you're afraid of what might happen as opposed to what is happening. And what that actually causes you to do is to not even be present in the moments and you start living in fear of what may happen. And so you stop paying attention to the day-to-day life that you have and even those opportunities that you have. Why? Because you're so overwhelmed with fear that you can't be right now. You know, over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, on Wednesdays, I've been sharing with you about finding rest in the Lord. And one of the reasons that that is so important, because if, you're, if you can't be in that place... Fear will overwhelm you. I mean, the Bible, you know, Paul wrote and talked about a peace that would pass all understanding. That means it's not logical. You know, I mean, you you look in the natural and you're like, well, I should be falling apart right now. But yet there's a peace on the inside of me. Well, that doesn't just come passively. That comes because we're mindful and keeping, you know, and I shared that in those couple of weeks as I talked about, is that you never want to make major big decisions from a low place of spirituality. Why? Because if, you're, if your spiritual tanks are low, you're prone to give in to fear. Well, God is not in fear-based decisions. He doesn't bless those decisions. And we'll look at these things here in a few minutes. You know, and so, you know, so we, we understand that in the culture in which we live, that, hey, it's not too hard to be in fear. And here's the thing. And, and you know, I'll use this as an example. Just because it's easy. Uh, and most people can understand this. I've been around people and have had the experience of being around people who had money, who had resources, and yet they were some of the most fearful people that I've ever known. They had resources. They seemingly could have any and everything they wanted. But yet they were some of the most fearful, frightened people because they were so afraid of losing it. I mean, I had a gentleman one time tell me, my life was a lot easier when I didn't have anything because I didn't have to worry about losing it. And he was so afraid what's going to happen. And, and so to the point that now, really, his blessings were now a torment to him. Because it was, it had, the tables had turned. And even if, you know, now, this guy wasn't necessarily a spiritual man. He was just a guy who had resources. But even if he were, and the Lord had prompted him to do something with that money, he couldn't have done it. I've been there. That's how I know. Now, I've never had much money, but I've had enough, and the Lord's asked me to do something with it. And that first thought is, I can't do that. That's fear. Now, we may not recognize it as that. When the Lord prompts you, the first thought says, don't do that. You better not. Where's that voice come, where, Where's that thought coming from? It's definitely not faith. It's not trusting God. It's not belief. You know, I mean, that's a motive. That's a motivation and a thing coming from fear. 
You know, and, and there's things in our life, and I believe that we're much more susceptible to the spirit of fear and the influence of fear than we realize. You look throughout Scripture, every time that God shows up in any form, whether that be Himself, whether that be through an angel, through however He may appear or deal with people, typically one of the first things that is communicated is don't be in fear. I mean, even in the life of Jesus, you have Him walking to the house of Jairus and He says, he says Hey, my daughter's sick. Would you come? Well, Jesus is coming. He gets interrupted along the way. But... All of a sudden, the report comes and says, hey, don't, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your, your daughter has died. What did Jesus say? Don't be afraid. Only believe. He didn't say, hey, only believe, so don't worry about it. He said, first, don't fear. So that tells me that fear affects faith. I mean, you've got to deal with fear first. And then your faith can operate. And this plays out in every area of our life. It doesn't matter if it's in the financial realm, if it's in the physical health realm. You get a report from the doctor. Your fear can kick in real quick when you get a report that's not good. You've got to deal with that fear before you can accurately apply your faith to your situation. You have to. Because fear comes very quickly. And here's the thing about fear. It talks loud. It's quick and it is loud. And it will convince you that it is true. And what it's saying is, is right. And yet it will paralyze you if you allow it. It will stop you dead in your tracks. You can be having a great day and in a moment fear can come and it will ruin everything. And here's the thing about fear. It's not even rooted in fact. It's an assumption of what will be. Now, I'm going to talk about this, and I've shared some of these things with you before, I, I know. But I, I, was, I just really felt stirred in my heart that the Lord wanted me to come in this direction uh, tonight. And so, uh, one of the things that I would, would tell you is this, is that if you let fear rule your heart, it will choke out your faith, and you won't be able to believe God. Every time that the Lord has given me a direct commandment of any kind... I mean, I'll just give you a good example that most of you will be familiar with. Two and a half years ago, approximately, a little more than that now, the Lord opened up the opportunity for me and Derek to come here. You want to know what my first thought was? I'm not ready. That was my first thought. I'm not ready. Well, if the Lord, now, here's the crazy. I knew the Lord had called me to pastor. I've known that for a long time. Not a doubt in my mind. Now, a couple years earlier, I would have sworn that I was ready. That's what's funny. When I thought I was ready, God said no. And then when I thought I wasn't, God said yes. So, so just to tell you, when you think you're ready, you're, you may not be. And when you're convinced you're not and God says you are, you are. But fear will tell you, you're not ready for that. You better not do that. And yet you know in your heart that the Lord's stirring something in you. And yet fear will say, you better not. You know, and I even, and I got to the place where trying to analyze, if you will, because I'm pretty analytical, that I got to a point trying to pray about even, Lord, is this a step that you're leading me to take? I had analyzed it to the point where I didn't know which way was up. Paralysis by analysis. You can think about something too much. Now, I believe in wisdom. I believe in counsel. I believe that we ought to look to the Lord. I believe in all that. But you can also look too much. Sometimes you just got to say, Lord, do I have peace? Are you in this or are you not? I mean, because, and even to the other side of it is, everything looks great. Lord, will you go with me? Think about Moses. God says, Moses, you can go to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. Moses says, I ain't going anywhere without you. You got me to here. Now, here's the thing. Moses could have went into the promised land because God said he could have. Well, God can't lie. They could have went. 
You know, and so many times I think that in our life is that things happen and things come, but that voice, those, those voices come and that, that begins to speak and begins to challenge the very thing that God has for us. I believe that there's many people that have really desires to be used for God and by God, and yet fear robs them because they can't ever actually get past their fear. They just can't do it. They had great desire, great ambition, great longings to be used by God in various places, various ways. But yet, when God said move, they couldn't move because they were stuck because that fear was so loud it drowned out the voice of God. Because it robs you of your courage. That's what fear does. It discourages you. It removes courage out of your life. And yet courage is so important. And even kind of what we've been talking about, you know, is that the thing about living by faith is it takes energy. It takes effort. It doesn't just come. We actually have to be in a place where we can actively believe God. Well, fear comes to what? To discourage us, to try to wear us out so that we really can't make those faith-filled decisions. And so it's important that we understand that, I mean, when we've been talking about it on Sundays, is, hey, we have an enemy. Well, one of his greatest tactics is fear. He's trying to convince you that you can't have what God says you can. That you can't be what God has called you to be. And he's relentless in his attack. And yet, fear speaks all the time. Well, we have to respond to that. We've been talking about that on Sundays. And so, you know, I don't want to... Um, to really delve into that. But this is what I want. one of the things I want you to hear tonight. Is that you have to know this. You're not hardwired to fear. You are hardwired for faith. Your default setting is actually to believe God. Not to believe against God in your life. Now you say, well, why do you say that? Well, because part of being saved comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, old thought processes, old ways are what? Behind. They're dead. They're gone. And he says, hey, behold, I have done something completely new. There's a new creation that has happened. You know, and so we learn to fear many times by experience. You know, in the last, I don't know, week or so, we've been putting Max in the pool a little bit. And I've been amazed at his fearlessness. I really have been. I've been surprised. Because I would have thought he would have been a little more timid. And I'm starting to see a new side of his personality. Which is just, you know, he's just going to go for it. He's just a little daredevil. I've always been fairly um, cautious and calculated. I'll say it that way. I take risks, but they're very well calculated. Dare's brother, on the other hand, not so much. Which always make jokes that... Max has a lot of characteristics of Dare's brother. And, um, you know, and this one holds true. And, uh, you know, Farrell says, let's go for it. And, you know, he was here this weekend with us lead worship. And, you know, his mentality is let's go for it and figure it out after. I'm not so much that way. I'm more, let me analyze this for a minute. Let me get a good game plan. Let me have exit strategy, you know, A, B, C, and D. If this, then this. If this, then this. If By then, Pharaoh's already rolling down and hit his head a few times. You know, I mean, that's just his personality. And I've been amazed at how fearless Max is. Why? Because fear is not our default. We learn fear. You know, we had a, a moment the other day where uh, I thought I was going to drown my son. And uh, it was interesting. And, uh, and I just knew... That he was going to be upset. Long story short. He jumped off a slide. I grabbed him. And I started to go under the water. So I kind of threw him up in shallower water. So I could get up there too. Well he went under the water for a minute. Not a minute. But you know. For a moment. Well I went and grabbed him. After I had regained my footing. Expecting full well that he'd be crying. He spit out some water. And wiped his eyes. And was like. <laughs> to me that would have been Fearful. But yet there is trust that he has in me that I'm going to take care of him. And because he's convinced that I'm going to take care of him, it creates a fearlessness in him. Now that also plays into our relationship with the Lord. If I'm truly convinced, God, you have me. It will cause me to be fearless. 
It will cause me to take steps of faith that other people are going to look at and be like, something's wrong with you. But I'm convinced that I have a good father who wants good things in my life. And so therefore, it enables me to go beyond my fear or beyond what may even seem logical in some ways and to step out and say, God, if you're with me, that's all I need. It's like what Moses said, I'm not going to the promised land without you. But God, if I have you, I can do anything. I can do anything that you lead me into regardless of what my mind may tell me. Because your mind will lie to you. It absolutely will. Your thoughts, you know, one of, the, one of the aspects of what fear does is it comes to intimidate. That word intimidate actually means to shrink, to pull back. And the enemy would love nothing more than for us to live small lives. God is not into small living. And I'm not just, I don't mean that like in a, in a prosperity sense. I mean, even in our, I mean, God doesn't have any problem with you being blessed. How is he going to bless the nations of the world unless it's through faithful people? And that's what he says in the word. God doesn't have a problem with, with people being blessed, but I mean, even in our own life, even seeing, you know, well, I'm just one person who lives in this area and I just have this little job and I just have this little family and, and I just want to take care of me and my little thing and, and we're going to be good. That's small living. What about living from a mindset and a place that says, God, I don't know what all you want to do, but I'm game. However big you want to go with me, I'm good with that. And I'm going to follow you regardless. And I'm not going to give in to those thoughts of insecurity. I'm not going to give in to those thoughts of intimidation that will come because the enemy will fight. Why? Because what we're doing is eternal. That's the most important thing. The most important influence you will ever have is the eternal. Why? Because it keeps paying out. So when we're influencing people and those around us and yet fear comes... I mean, if, if you want to experience fear, just make the commitment. Lord, if I hear somebody with a problem, I'm going to pray for them right there in public. See if fear doesn't come and say, you better not do that. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? Fear comes quick. And that's the way that the enemy works. And so one of the things, another aspect of fear is this, is that fear is learned. It's actually a learned behavior. We learn to give way to it. We learn to give into it. We learn to actually be motivated by it. Fear is first learned and then it's believed. That's the way it plays out in our heart. We learn to live dominated by fear, but then eventually we will believe it to be true. And it speaks and it talks loud in our life. So I said this a minute ago, I'll repeat it just because it's good and it's worth repeating. Is that a spirit of fear comes to discourage and intimidate us, to cause us to make fear-based decisions. Fear-based decisions does not please the Lord. We're, we're called to live by faith. We are people of faith. Trusting God. And, and I believe in counsel, but I believe we're to be led by the Holy Spirit too. And a lot of people don't like to talk about this and, and, and necessarily uh, tell, you know, I, I just said because I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about it. Faith is risky. I mean, faith is. Every time, the, I mean, and I know not everybody's called to do what I'm called to do. You're not called in those areas. But the Lord did ask me to leave everything. I had a really good job. Pretty good life. And the Lord said, leave. For what? I'll talk to you after you leave. Thanks a lot. That was a huge step of faith. Not everybody's called to do that. That was a big old risk. I had people tell me they thought I was crazy. Why in the world would you do that? Oh, I don't know. The Lord told me to. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But it was the Lord. There was a lot of fear that I had to deal with in that moment. And for that Season and trust me, it kept talking even after I left. Because then fear came back and said, see, I told you. It's exactly what I said was going to happen. 
And we're not talking about like for a week. We're talking about for months and months and months on end. Every day waking up. Chirp, 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 chirp. Going, what did I do? Lord, was this you? I'm pretty sure it was you. I sure hope it was you. And fear has a way of causing doubt to rise. And God will ask you to make steps of faith. And they will be risky. You'll say, God, I can't do that. That might be, take a different job. Why would I do that? Because the Lord's telling you to. Maybe, the, maybe, kind of take it out of this. Maybe the Lord's just wanting you to believe Him for something better than what you have. And you're like, well, everything's good. And the Lord says, yeah, but I want to bless you. So I want you to believe me for more than what you already have. And it doesn't make sense necessarily just in the natural. Except for the Lord's asking you to. And it would be more comfortable and easier to just stay where you are. And just kind of hang out there. And yet, the prompting of the Holy Spirit is saying, stretch your faith out and expand your vision. Expand what you even can see me using you to do. Because that's... Really the next step, if you will. That's the next link to get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. But it's not going to, become, it's not going to happen when you play it safe. Faith has risk. Now, it's obviously led by the Holy Spirit. It's initiated by God. I don't go to God and be like, hey, I'm feeling kind of daring today. What do you think about this? And I've taken step after step after step in my walk with the Lord. And every time you get that, what I call that, like that big gulp moment where you're like, <laughs> like, am I really about to do this? You know, like, I don't know how many of you, I mean, I'm, I kind of enjoy this kind of stuff, you know, but like, if you go cliff diving or something like that, you get, you know, 20 feet, 30 feet above the water and you go over and you look down and you're like, man, the view looks pretty nice from up here. <laughs> do I really want to do this? I mean, it would you know, be easy to turn around and walk away, but I think people get bored living for the Lord because they stop living by faith. They start living by what they know. I mean, like, kind of bring it into a more corporate uh, view, if you will. It would be safe for us to say, hey, we just want to have a nice little church. We want to touch a few little people. And we just want to be blessed. That would be safe. But is that what the Lord's calling us to? Some of you have never thought about that. Well... What if some different people were to come to our church that we don't like? Well, I don't understand. You know, we're different. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. As somebody who's moved in, there's a great divide in this city of those from here and those not from here. So if you're not from here, you're not from here. And that's a fact but I also see it play out in our community. And let me just tell you, as the pastor of the church, that won't be us. It just won't be. I don't care if people are from here or not from here. The fact is the Lord led them to this place so that we can influence and impact their life. doesn't matter their background. doesn't matter anything else. We gather for what reason? So that God can touch people's lives. So God can touch us, God can touch others. Well, that's going to require us to live by faith, even in that area. Why? Because I'm not going to be afraid of what I don't know. People I don't know, things I don't know. I'm not going to be intimidated by people. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to live like God to those around me. 
And that's here, that's in our neighborhoods, that's wherever we may be. That's what we're called to do. And, you know, so one of the things, I got a little off topic, but it applies anyways. Here's one of the things that faith sounds like. What if? You ever had that thought? If I do this, this, what if? I mean, I've shared this multiple times. I had the Lord tell me flat out, actually in a prophetic word, that I was supposed to believe God for a big house. Now, it was a big house to me because I'd never owned a house. So any house was big. (laughs) I mean, I'll just be honest with you. But the Lord, why would the Lord want me to do that? Our youth group was the size of this church. And we could have all of them in our home. Now, the house was not big. I didn't live in some mansion. Trust me. It was big to me. I didn't have furniture to put in it. We had empty rooms. I had a den. had nothing. One bought a pool table on clearance just so I could put something in the room. No joke. We didn't have a dining room table for a year or more. But the Lord, I knew the Lord had, and I've shared this, but the Lord had just encouraged just. Believe me for the house. Believe me for the house. Believe me for the house. Don't believe small. Even had the instruction, which if you know me, you'll understand this. Don't look at it on paper because it's not going to make sense. That was probably the most pivotal part of that instruction to me. Because the night before I signed the papers, I could not sleep. Thinking, because fear was shouting. You better not. You better not. You better not. You're going to, this is going to be the biggest mistake of your life. That's, I mean, those are really the thoughts rolling through my, I'm laying in bed, can't sleep. Middle of the night, could not sleep. Fear. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a person who's just prone to fear in that way. I was in that moment because I just knew I was going to sign my life away. And it was going to be the worst mistake I'd ever made. I was convinced of that. Middle of the night, Holy Spirit spoke to me. Which is amazing how this works. It's amazing how you can be overwhelmed with fear and one word from God and everything else goes away. I'm telling you, I couldn't sleep. The Holy Spirit just prompted me and said, this isn't the biggest decision you've ever made. So if you married the wrong person, that would have cost you a lot more than that house ever would. And I thought, you're right. I rolled over and went to sleep. Went to the bank the next day, signed me up. And what I didn't realize was I was signing up to see some of the greatest provision in my life that I had ever seen. I didn't realize because fear, what fear was telling me was this was going to be terrible. God had in mind to show his faithfulness. I didn't know that. I had no idea what God wanted to do, but it was on the other side of fear, taking a step of faith... That God said, now I'm going to show you my provision. And it wasn't until that moment that I got to see God's blessing in that manner. Why? Because it took a step of faith. Now, I was led by the Lord, obviously, because the Lord came through. It was a big deal for me. And I learned a very valuable lesson. If I can overcome my fear... To get to faith, I'm going to see God work. I'm going to get to see God do miraculous things. Things that were way beyond myself, which I've seen multiple times where the God has provided, where God has healed, where God has, you know, I mean, just time after time after time that I've seen the Lord work. But it was on the other side of, of really overcoming that fear of refusing to give place to those continual thoughts that said, you can't do this. Well, what if this happens? Many times when, I can, when I've been able to um, get on the other side of that fear, what I have done is gotten myself into a place to experience the joy of faith. Because faith is actually joy. It's a lot of fun. It's an adventure. It's kind of like being on a roller coaster blindfolded. I don't have a clue which way I'm going, but I'm having a lot of fun. Now, some of you, that might be your nightmare. That sounds like fun to me. <laughs> My wife would not sign up for that ride, but... I think that sounds like a lot of fun. 
And yet this is what I know. Every time that I've walked, when I, that I've done what the Lord has given me, I had to deal with fear first. The enemy came through fear. I was able to overcome that, and then I got to see God work. Where like the miraculous begin to happen. So many times, and that's what I, is that many people get bored in their life with God because they stop living by faith. They get dominated by fear. This is what fear does. It's a spirit. I mean, you know, we'll look at this here in a moment. I thought I already got here, but my notes are all over the place now, so well. Spirit is actually, I mean, fear has a spirit that motivates it. It's how the enemy works. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of fear. And what a spirit of fear does is that it comes for really, and ultimately it's this. It's a lying spirit. So it doesn't tell the truth. It's trying to get you to believe something that's not even based in fact. But it's trying to get you to do what? To go into the future to see something negative that's going to happen. Let me say it this way. Is that it tries to carry you into the future to convince you something bad is going to happen to you. I mean, you know, I mentioned this earlier. You go to the doctor, you get a report. Fear says, you're going to die. Faith says, you're going to see the hand of a mighty God work for you. You know, there's actually a verse in Psalms that says, you will live and not die and you will declare the works of a mighty God. And if you had a diagnosis that said, hey, this is not going to end well, what a verse to stand on. But that's a declaration of faith. I serve a mighty God and He will deliver me and He will restore me to full health. But yet you're going to have to deal with fear before you can actually stand in faith on that verse. See, we can't, we can't just be puppets that are just parroting what we've heard. And we're just echoing It's got to become who we are. That word is not just somebody else's word that they said about something else that I heard one time somebody preached about. and this. No, it's got to be this is my promise. And my promise will overtake my fear. And this is how we overcome fear because we become so convinced of the word of God that it will come to pass in our life. In every area, in every circumstance. You know, Paul talked to Timothy about this very thing over in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I just want to, I want to read verse 5. Typically, I would just read verse 7, but I want to read it because I want to point something out to you here in verse 5. Paul, who's an elder statesman, if you will, of the of faith, is talking to Timothy, who's kind of like a son to him in the faith. And he says in verse 5, I remember your genuine faith. So in other words, what Paul is saying to Timothy is you're not an imposter. You're you're not a fake. You're not trying to fake it till you make it. You have genuine faith. You really believe. And he says, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. So Timothy had his, let me say this way, Timothy stood on his own. Even though he had a faithful heritage. Even though he had people that went before him. His grandmother, his mother, which was kind of unique in that day. That they would acknowledge the ladies and not the men. But it's just an interesting side note. But It wasn't that he was standing with their faith. Paul here says, I know that the same faith continues strong in you. So... Paul acknowledges two things. Hey, Timothy, you're genuine. You're the real deal. You really believe the God that you proclaim. You're not parroting somebody else's faith. No, you really have faith in that it's strong in you. And I say all that because Paul writing here, he goes on in verse 6 and he says, Because you have genuine faith... I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, Paul was a pastor of a very large, crazy church filled with a bunch of crazy folks doing a bunch of crazy stuff. I don't know. I mean, there's estimates that say it was approximately 100,000 people. But they were fleshly people. You know, 1 Corinthians, that was Timothy's church. 
You go read it. They had issues. They had lots of issues. And Timothy is the guy who gets to try to lead them. Bunch of crazy people. Yeah. And he says, Timothy, I know you have genuine faith, but you've got a fan into a flame, that fire on the inside of you. One translation I, I like, he says, Paul he says that I'm reminding you to shake off the ashes off of the God-given fire that's in you. Sometimes you've got to stir yourself. Because fear will overwhelm if you allow it. It goes back to that paralysis. It will overwhelm you so that you do nothing. And what actually happens in that moment is that you rob yourself of the blessing of seeing God work in your life. Verse 7, it's a very familiar passage. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline or of a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Your default is not fear. Your default is faith. But yet we're going to have to deal with those thoughts. We're going to have to deal with when the enemy comes towards us to try to deal with those areas of our life. To try to get us off of our faith to give in to fear. And so we have to be able to, to push beyond it. See, here's the other side of this is that God won't honor a fear-based decision. But God does honor a faith-based one. I am firmly convinced of this. Because, you know, especially more early on in my life, walking with the Lord, that I was so afraid of missing God that I did nothing. Anybody else ever been there? I was so afraid. If I miss God, He's not big enough to fix it. Now, I didn't think, but I was so afraid. I was so paranoid. I really was. I was paranoid. Fear will make you paranoid, too. You know what paranoid is, right? You believe something that ain't real to anybody but you. You're just skittish. You're jumpy. I was so afraid to step out and follow even anything that I thought might have been God. I was like, I ain't moving until I know that I know that I know that I know. And I need it written in the sky. And I need at least two prophetic words. And then I might step. Maybe. I mean, that's, that was really where I started. Like, God, I got to know. Well, that ain't faith. That's knowledge. <laughs> Lord, just send me an angel. Just sit. Just. The angel went to people and told them good stuff in the Bible. So I want you to send me an angel. And then I'll step. I'm like Gideon out here with a fleece. Throw my towel out. Put water on the towel. All right, now make the ground around the towel, but leave the towel dry. Uh, you know, I mean, I had Gideon faith. How about that? I started out like Gideon. Like, Lord, don't kill me, but I need another sign. And that's where I lived. In, I mean, in some of the smallest stuff. Because I never realized how fearful I was. And this is what I've learned through the years. If my heart's right, and I'm even trying from a right heart to follow the Lord... Even if it ain't the Lord, I believe he'll honor it. Because my heart's right and I'm trying. Doesn't mean everything always works out smoothly. But there's things I can look back on and be like, God, I, I just thank you for your mercy. Because that wasn't you, but you still took care of me. And you were still faithful. And I know that I know that that was just me. But yet you still worked out of that for me. Because my heart was right. I wasn't doing it from a wrong motive. And so any attempt that I've, that I've made in my life to honor the Lord, I believe, he, I mean, I can't think of a one time. And there's some that I know were just me. It wasn't the Lord. I just thought it was. But yet God still honored it. See, faith doesn't have to be complicated. We complicate it because the enemy comes in and messes with our thoughts and all these other areas. No, we just follow the Lord. I mean, you know, even if you're, you know, kind of give you a little snippet side note. If you think it's the Lord, take a step. Don't wait until you got it all figured out. I mean, I've shared this before. 
me and Dara had an opportunity. We thought we were going to Brazil to pastor a church. I mean, never had a desire to do it. Never wanted to do it. Always felt called to America. Brazil's an expensive place to go to. Just to get a visa was like $300 a person. So in other words, for them to stamp and say, you can come here. Well, I don't remember one of us had to get a new passport. I don't remember which one of us it was. So we got a passport, step one. That's 120 bucks or 20, I don't know what it was. Get a passport. Next step, can we go? Let's get a visa. 500 bucks. Five, I think it was 550 back then. I don't know why, but I think that. I sent in for the visa. I, I had to pay for that. I'm like, holy cow. It's a lot of money. We didn't even get the visas. Somebody else had already paid for them for us. By the time I actually got on the plane to go to Brazil, my trip had been completely paid for. For me and Derek. It's approximately $4,000. I never told a person I was going. Nobody had a clue. And you know what I found out in Brazil? God didn't want me to go there. (laughs) Okay, Lord, explain this to me, please. Why did you have me come here? And why did you tell people to pay for me to come here? To tell me no. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. I still don't understand that completely. This is what I believe. It was Isaac. Would you go? That's what I believe. Now, you can believe anything you want about it. Now, I know this. The people that sowed into our life just because either they A, loved us or were prompted by the Holy Spirit, however it happened, God will honor that. You can't, you can't outgive the Lord. If you sow with the right heart, you will reap. So I know the Lord will bless those people. But isn't that crazy? The Lord would prompt somebody to give us money to send us to a place to say, nah, I don't want you to come here. I mean, I had one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in my life on that trip with the Lord. Something that I've always heard that was super cool. I'll just tell you quickly because it's just amazing. Because I've always heard this kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, that would be really neat. It's one of those little things you kind of talk about. I was praying getting because I was, I was there like six days. And I think I preached seven times. You know, you just go from one church to another to another. And I was praying. We had just got there. We were staying with some people who didn't speak English, and we didn't speak Portuguese at all. We attempted to talk through Google Translate. Type it out and hand it. Never made any sense. You just, it was like trying to read code, trying to decipher. I was praying, getting ready for the first service that when we first got there. We had not even been in the country 24 hours. And um, I was praying in my room. You know, I don't know, some of you have been to other countries, some of you haven't. But you can kind of pick up other languages as far as like you just kind of hear them and they just sound a little different and this, that. I was praying in the Spirit, so I'm praying in tongues in my room. Dare's sitting on the other side of the room for me. I hear somebody talking. I go to the window and I looked out the window. Who's outside my window? We were staying with another a Brazilian pastor and his family. Nobody spoke English. But I heard Portuguese. I hear it again. Look out the window. Nobody's out there. It sounds like they're right there. And I thought, well, that's weird. Just kept going and praying. At the very end of my trip, sitting there at the table at their house, have a translator now. You know, she was there eating lunch with. And I hear her say, can I tell him that? And I'm like, I'm the only him in the room. So I'm like, what? And the translator begins to tell me, you were speaking perfect Portuguese the other day. And I thought, no, I wasn't. Of course, here was my, here, and this is actually what I, I was, when she told me, she said, oh, no, she said it wasn't just, per, she said it was perfect Portuguese. I don't know any, I, I cheated my way through Spanish. I don't know Portuguese, okay? <laughs> Let me just tell you. The teenagers don't listen to that. So, and this is, of course, you know, me, I'm like, then what did I say? I want to know. And she began to tell me what I was praying. It was pretty neat. I could have easily rationalized never going on that trip. Easily. 
God, you didn't call me to a foreign nation. God, I don't have the money to go on this trip. I had six months, not even six months. I think it was four months. And I told Dara, we will not go into debt to go to this trip. We'll pay cash for everything or we ain't going. I mean, that was just a commitment we made. And it was amazing every time the Lord provided. It was, now, it wasn't just a, somebody didn't come and write me one big check and say, okay, here, go on your trip. I took a step, and then God took a step. And then we took a step, and then God took a step. One after another. But every step, was there was that voice. It ain't going to happen this time. The Lord ain't going to come through this time. Every step of the way. And then to come home and be totally bewildered going, what in the world was all that for? I mean, even after I'm back, even after all that that I just told you about, still coming home going, that wasn't the Lord. See, you missed the Lord. Fear, constantly. Constantly, always there, always speaking. See, everybody faces fear. It's a common enemy. We all all are going to deal with it. It comes to discourage. It comes to intimidate. And yet, we have a big God that we can trust and that we can believe in that, that wants to do, the Bible says He wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask, think, and possibly even imagine. So whatever you think your life will and can be, know that God has bigger plans. If you can dream big, God can dream bigger. But you're going to have to deal with that voice, that that fear that speaks. One of my favorite quotes is from Mark Twain about fear. I shared this a lot, but I, I, I really like this one. He says that courage is not the absence of fear, it's the mastery of it. You got to learn how to deal with your fear. You got to learn how to quiet it. I mean, this may seem crazy to you. I still have to deal with the fear of speaking in front of people. Still. I've preached thousands, a thousand or more sermons. I still have to deal with it. You're like, you do this all the time. You're right. It's still something I got to deal with. Because you want to know what one of the thoughts is that I have? What do I have to say? So every time I actually say it, it's an act of faith. Every time. So this isn't something that I'm telling you by theory. This is something that I live all the time. And yet the enemy would love nothing more than for me to shut my mouth. For the very thing that I've been called to do is the very area that he tries to fight the most. And you've got to know that. The very area that God wants to use you in the most is the very area the enemy is going to fight you in the most. And that, that fear is going to shout in those areas. Constantly. Why? Because he's trying to, to really destroy what God wants to do through you. And so he sends fear. That spirit comes and just shouting. You know, I talked about this in the beginning, but if you let it, fear will paralyze you. It'll stop you right in your tracks. You won't be able to make a decision. You won't know which ends up. It will totally confuse you. I mean, that is the enemy's, one of his tactics is to get you to fear, but ultimately he wants to get you to a place of confusion. Because if he can get you to a place of confusion, he ain't got to worry about you. You won't even trust your own decisions. You won't even trust your own uh, feeling. You won't even trust the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You'll know it's the Holy Spirit and we'll be like, I don't trust it. I want somebody else to tell me. See, we have to be careful not to meditate upon fearful thoughts. If there's an uneasiness in your heart, here's what you got to do. You got to pray until either peace comes because you can always be led by peace. One of the easiest ways you know if it's the Lord is that do you have peace in your heart? Not in your head. I mean, I've had peace in my heart and my mind's going, you're an idiot. What are you doing? But there's that settled 
in my heart. There's a difference. I mean, my mind's going tilt sometimes. But in here I know. Oh, that's the Lord. And we're to be led by peace. I mean, and that can I mean if nothing else, that'll save you. And sometimes you take a step and you take a step until the Lord says no. Or let me say it this way, you take a step until that peace lifts. And then you step back and be like, okay, God was in step one and two, but apparently three, I missed that step. So let me take a step back. Let me regroup. Okay, let me step again. Lord, are you over here? Nope, that's not it either. Okay, let me step back, back in peace. Let me try. Oh, this was the right decision. I just wasn't sure. So sometimes you have to just take a step, move in a direction, following the prompting of the Lord. And don't let fear paralyze you and just say, I can't move, I can't move, I can't move, I can't move. Because that's what fear will do. Fear will just, it'll lock you up. It's like the kid on the, you know, kids on the high dive or whatever. They get up there and they're just froze. They're like a statue. They ain't moving. Why? They're just dominated. They're just completely overwhelmed with fear. And yet many people live in that place of fear. They don't even realize it. It's just normal for them now. I mean, you realize that worry is just fear. It's just another word. But it's still the same spirit. God has not given you a spirit of worry, but of sound mind, of peace. That peace that passes all understanding. That verse says it, so it will guard your heart and your mind. So we have to deal with fear in our life. I mean, if you're going to do anything for the Lord, you've got to deal with fear. And it's not a one-time fight. You'll deal with it, and you'll deal with it. And every time that you get a little bit comfortable, the Lord's going to nudge you and say, okay, let's go to that, take that next step. And you're like, wait a second, I was good where I was. We were happy right there. Why we got to move stuff? Because the Lord wants us living in faith. And he's going to push. And even when the enemy comes and tries to convince us otherwise, we've got to believe God. We've got to trust him because the miracles on the other side of, of us overcoming that fear, the breakthrough that we want, those things we've been believing God for, those areas that we've been looking, you've got to push through that fear. You've got to push past that anxiety. You've got to push past that worry and say, okay, God, I know that you're out here in this place of the unknown that seems uncomfortable, but I know you're out here. And that's where you're going to see God come through, and that's where you're going to see God work. And then, and to your mind and to other people, it may look a little crazy. But it, and it, there is a risk. Sure, it's a risk. But with God, man, and that's why it's important. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying to be foolish at all. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit, but don't be so led by the Holy Spirit that you can't move until you know that you know that you know. Take a step. Don't let fear hold you back. Take that first step, then take that next step, and just walk it out. And you'll see God provide, and you'll see God open doors. God will give you favor. Just, But it's going to happen. You know, I heard somebody, I'll wrap up with this one time. And I've never forgot this statement. It's actually a guy named uh, Willie George, he's a pastor in Tulsa. But he made this statement one time. He says that God leads you in steps and stages, not leaps and bounds. God leads you in steps. He says he orders the steps of a righteous man. So one step at a time. So that's how you walk. And fear is going to... To speak. Take you back to Mark Twain. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the mastery. It's, it's learning. Devil I hear you. But I don't care. That would be the. Biblical version of what Mark Twain said. Fear I hear what you're saying. But my God is bigger. And my God will work. And he's on my side. And I'm on his side. And I'm hooked up with him. And he's going to provide for me. And he's going to take care of me. And he's going to see me through this storm to the other side. I, I realize I have a diagnosis. But I have my faith which is greater than that diagnosis. And I'm going to believe God. And I'm going to watch him work for me. 
And that's how we get to the place where we get to see God really do greater things through us and for us. And then we have a testimony that we now get to share with other people. And that's where the power is, is because God will use you to now share, hey, God's been good to me. God's been faithful. I know that you're struggling. I know that you're in a bind right now, but God will work for you because he did it for me. And there's power in that, and that's part of how we get to be used by God. We get to tell our story, and it's powerful. I mean, but I, I don't know about you, but I want a good testimony. I don't want some weak testimony. I want something powerful that's like, hey, I know you're struggling right now. Just, let me just share with you what God did for me. And God will do the same thing for you. And that's the power of sharing our story. And so I just want to encourage you tonight. And I know I was kind of hitting several different things um, tonight, but I really just felt stirred in my heart about this. And, uh, you know, and there's several different areas and things, but, uh, you know, just don't let the enemy rob you in these areas. Just make the determination, I'm going to live by faith. That's easy to say. It's easy to just say those words and, you know, we sing them sometimes and, you know, but the walking it out. God, I, I'm going to, let me say it another way. I'm going to live taking risk. I'm not going to play it safe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the Lord lead me and I'm going to take those steps that he leads me to do. But I'm going to see God work through me in my life. And I'm going to see the blessings of God because I've been obedient to those steps. Amen.